Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Welcome, everyone, to Dang Discussions. Today, we're joined by Dr. David Gordon. Dr. Gordon has more than 20 years' experience in the medical field, working with patients, running a private practice, consulting health-focused businesses, and providing health and wellness education to the community. Dr. Gordon is also the founder and owner of Four Pillars Health and Wellness. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you on, definitely. And um, so let our listeners know where you're based out of. Where are you located now? So I'm based out of Denver, Colorado. I came out here for medical school and never left. Too nice to leave. I actually came from Los Angeles. So I have okay. California roots where I guess you are. And, uh, but no, Denver's nice. Uh, I, I'm here and don't really see myself leaving. Very cool. So you, you came to Denver obviously before, or, you know, perhaps before the whole, um, you know, cannabis medical uh, movement in 2009 and obviously the legalization of it recreationally. Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, like like most places, just a pretty quiet underground world here. Uh, you know, we knew what was going on in California from a medical standpoint. And then, you know, Colorado has been pretty forward thinking, obviously, in 2009, past medical. And, and that was exciting for me. I was already in practice as a physician, seeing patients and already using a lot of in non-pharmaceutical tools. So it was pretty cool. Patients were starting to come to me and say, oh, yeah, I've been using this you know, I'd like to, you know, make it official. I'd like to, you know, get a card. I'd like to make this legal. And so that's really how I started learning about cannabis as a medicine was from my patients, uh, from their experiences, their stories. And that kind of led me to do my own research. That's so cool. Yes. You know, and I know in California, um, you know, my own experience, I know when it did, you know, medical, there were a lot of great doctors who kind of wanted to shy away from it, you know, and kind of wanted to, um, you know, I don't know for whatever reason, but it, you know, a lot of people needed to go to other doctors who maybe weren't their primary physician, um, you know, in order to get their license. Um, did you have any ex- sort of experience like that? What was your initial reaction? Is it something that you were passionate about already or something that just kind of uh, fell in your lap and you were willing to go with it? I would say probably more, probably a little bit of a combination. I, I had you know, kind of known about cannabis's value just through my world, uh, through family and friends, colleagues, things of that. So I'd seen a lot of its positive benefits. So I, I certainly kind of wasn't beaten down by as much of the false propaganda we've, we've had around for, for decades, but I didn't really know it as a medicine, uh, as, as a classic medical tool. And so once patients introduced it to me, I kind of naturally started wanting to learn more. I'd say, okay, so if you're wanting to use this, I should know more about this. And and that's when I looked really into the science, started reading, you know, journals and, and said, wow, so this was 2009, 2010, uh-huh. you know, we'd already known about now the endocannabinoid system for well over a decade. Um, things, a lot of things were pretty well established and I was just blown away by how much pure science was out there and it was then kind of angry because then you get angry like well why is no one teaching this and and it's still appalling i mean even today you know less than 
10 to 20% of medical schools to even mention the endocannabinoid system in training. And if you, there was a study just a year or two ago on residents and fellows who were finished all their, you know, medical training and like 85% had never had a single wisp of cannabis or the endocannabinoid system. And like 90% said they felt completely unprepared to be able to recommend cannabis. So it's frustrating because the science is there. You know, we have a lot of data. We have a lot of uh, information. We can guide patients and, and educate physicians, but it's not being taught. So that's kind of now one of my big goals is getting that information out there, not just to patients, but to to practitioners as well. So like I said, I, I was open to it, still kind of fell into it and, and just then did my own research. And once you do research and you see how powerful something is, then you just kind of, you can't go back. You can't unlearn what you know. Yeah. So once I, knew, once I learned how it had, I, I just kept wanting to learn more. And then really in the last two, three years, I've had the opportunity after kind of closing my private practice to really spend more time in the industry, not just, you know, reading papers and reading articles, but getting to know all the different levels, learning about cultivation, learning about extraction, learning about production. And I don't need to be an expert in all those things, but now I know enough where I can assess product quality from, you know, one company to the next, or I can understand what limitations certain companies have and been able to kind of guide them, you know, on products that are going to be more health focused or, or kind of products that I would want to have in my hands to work with patients. Oh, that's incredible. You know, definitely, you know, on this podcast, it seems like a lot of times stuff comes up about, you know, um, lack of education, obviously, and, um, you know, lack of research that we're still very far from where we should be with research. And, you know, obviously, um, resistance from pharmaceutical companies and, you know, um, you know, so we talk about education. I think a lot of times we talk about education in terms of the patient side, you know, maybe somebody who's not familiar with cannabis and the benefits that can come from it. Um, but, you know, you brought up something that's that's unique that I haven't heard, you know, talking about how, you know, the physicians themselves, you know, going to med school, it's still something that people feel uncomfortable with. So how do we educate um, you know, the, the future practitioners of, uh, of medicine in America, um, you know, to really get on board and to, uh, you know, to, to get up to the level where you have gotten in, in some of your colleagues. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of roots. It's, there's no one right answer. Some of it, again, still a lot of barriers that have to just be broken because people will stick to false beliefs for a long time, even if the facts are, are right in their face. But still, I, I start with a couple of things. I mean, one, I start with facts you know, just pure hard science data. And typically that's with the endocannabinoid system. So I'm sure, uh, you know, most of your, your listeners know we have our own internal cannabis system. We essentially make compounds and have receptors, uh, the same receptors the plant compounds bind to. We make our own chemicals for that. And this system is a core physiologic system, you know, not just for us, but all animals have this system. In fact, all vertebrates have this system. So you start with the endocannabinoid system and with doctors, you can say, you know, here's what it is. Here's what it does. Here's how important it is. How crazy is that, that you're not taught this? And then at least they start saying, wow, this is a pretty valuable system. This, you know, we need this for life. And, and they start learning how big, I mean, for example, we have more CB1 cannabis, you know, receptor one 
receptors in the brain than all our other neurotransmitters combined. So we have all these drugs that treat dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine and you know all these other chemicals. We spend weeks in you know neurophysiology talking about them. Yet there's more cannabis receptors in our brain than all of those combined. And when physicians hear that, they go, "Oh, well, that's probably been important." And and so we start with the facts of the endocannabinoid system and you kind of make sure they understand that how important that is. And then you say, well, here's what these plant compounds do. Here's how they stimulate it. Here's how they work in the body and so on and so forth. And then they, you know, they start at least gaining some like, okay, it's not just complete hogwash. You know, once they know we have this own system where the plant compounds works, that's at least breaking down a few barriers. And once you learn, well, okay, well, why wasn't I taught that in school? Uh Pretty important. Oh, well, what else wasn't I taught that, you know, might, and, and then you go from there. And then as you get clinical, you, you kind of, you know, you're right. We have, we don't have all the information we want, certainly with cannabis, but as I com- commonly say, you know, there's a difference between no data and not enough data. Uh-huh. Um, we certainly don't have enough data, uh-huh. but that doesn't mean we don't have any data and we have and a lot of it's just, again, talking to physicians, how do they practice, you know, how do they think about what research is, you know, there's a term that gets thrown around in, in the healthcare field, what we call evidence-based medicine, and that means practicing medicine based on the research. Uh, and, and so a lot of people say, well, I won't use cannabis, there's no evidence-based medicine, and so it's actually not true, again, if you present them, well, how about these studies, how about these studies, have you looked at this study before? Oh, no, I didn't know there was any of that. Okay, well, why don't you read those studies and, and then let's talk. And, and, and so it's just layers. Uh, sometimes we have to, you know, also convince them that most of what they do in practice already, you know, doesn't have kind of the level of evidence that they say they mandate for cannabis. So a perfect example, there was a study just this year in what we call JAMA, which is Journal of the American Medical Association, you know, one of the most, you know, in the world. And it said, if you look at all the recommendations for cardiac diseases, heart diseases, things of that nature, all the recommendations of the American College of Cardiology, less than 10% have what we call level one evidence, meaning the best you know, double blind randomized controlled trial evidence. So people say, oh, I won't use cannabis because they don't have all this double blind randomized data. Yet, even in cardiology, um, less than 10% of what we recommend has that kind of data. So you come at it from different ways. You have to show, hey, what you're doing already, you have to kind of treat cannabis the same way. You can't hold cannabis to a higher standard than what you hold all your other, you know, types of uh, tools. And then more, you know, go back to the basics, go back to the science. Here's this endocannabinoid system. Here's how it works. Here's how the plant works. Right off the bat, they're, they're then at least interested and you've broken down some barriers. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, but how do you see that changing in the future? You know, do you see, um, you know, more research being done and people getting more on board with it? Um, and what kind of time frame do you, do you see kind of, kind of with that? Well, I definitely see more work being done within our own endocannabinoid system. And there's already, you know, quite a bit being done there. One, we don't have obviously the limitations in in legalizations of research. So I do see, you know, kind of endocannabinoid knowledge being starting to be taught more. And, you know, sadly, the medical schools will come last, but you're already seeing 
other universities saying we now offer a master's in cannabis, you know, or, or at the university level, we have classes on endocannabinoid physiology. So undergraduate and, and graduate programs will get their first set of medicine will come last, but it's getting there. So I think that part will, will come you know, sooner over the next, you know, one, two, three years, we'll see more med schools. It won't be 13% mentioned the endocannabinoid system, which one survey from, I think, 2013, you know, said, I think we'll see, oh, 50, 60, 80, hopefully eventually 100% of med schools are at least teaching this system. You know, in terms of, you know, more mainstream medical acceptance, uh, the time frame's really dependent on its descheduling. So oh. I would say, Within two to three years of cannabis being descheduled, uh, we will have enough, you know, basic, you know, data that, you know, kind of makes physicians and physician groups happy enough to at least have it be part of the discussion um, in terms of, you know, when descheduling happens, that, that's anybody's guess. You know, sometimes you hear things you be like, oh, this may happen within the next six months. And then sometimes you hear things like never going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I, I think, I think, I don't think you'll ever see one, anything close to it reach mainstream acceptance uh, until we get descheduling because it's just, you can't do the type of research that's necessary. I mean, it took, you know, just to get a, a CBD pharmaceutical on the market, you know, it took years and that was with, you know, less hurdles. So, yeah. you know, so we're, we're closer, but it's, it's still going to be more of a patient driven, you know, it, you know, won't be a pharmaceutical, you know, tool for probably still at least, you know, a decade in, in wow. terms of your classic, go to the pharmacy yeah. and pick up, pick up your cannabis tincture. I, I think we're still probably a good decade away from that, maybe a little bit less, but I think, its acceptance kind of in the system it is now um, that I think will continue to proliferate even in the next one, two, three years. All right, definitely a long, long way to go. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, one side of the spectrum where we have these physicians who are skeptical and they want to see more research. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's, you know, people who are in the cannabis industry or, if, you know, maybe perhaps they themselves have, um, you know, their own personal evidence or case studies, so to speak. Um, you know, how it's been able to help them and with their own illnesses. Um, you know, and you're talking about the endocannabinoid system and how, you know, the receptors and, you know, so people get really deep into it on the other side where, you know, there's an idea now where, you know, cannabis can pretty much solve all kinds of different um, illnesses and conditions and, you know, kind of being this big picture um, cure all kind of thing, you know, not, you know, not obviously, you know, it has any cure, but, you know, um, you know, so where, where does it really stand, you know, and, you know, being the, the new magic bullet, so to speak. Yeah, I think, I think there's, yeah, like you said, there's this big dichotomy. You've got people who still think it's the, you know, most dangerous chemical on the planet and, oh my God, no one should even come near it. And you still got that group and a lot of false propaganda there. And then, like you said, on the flip side, we have within the cannabis industry, you know, people are, have seen its power, like you said, in themselves or in family or in friends. And so are so passionate about it. They're kind of, you know, just claiming everybody needs this. Like, you know, everybody has to have, have cannabis. And I think kind of both of those are, 
are you know misguided. I, I, I think a couple things jump out. You know, one is, you know, because cannabis works through the endocannabinoid system, it has the potential to treat, you know, potentially everything, you know, but if not everything, just a huge diversity of conditions because the endocannabinoid system works throughout the body to balance every system. Therefore, when you manipulate the endocannabinoid system, you have such wide potential. And that's a real fact. That's not that marketing and blowing smoke. Cannabis has the potential to address such a wide array of conditions. So one, that's, that's a fact. But again, that doesn't mean cannabis, is, like you said, is a cure for every condition. And so we need to streamline, I think, the industry in a little bit from making you know, false claims. We just need to really be upfront. Here's what we know. Here's how it works. Here's why it potentially works for so many things, and let's use this and then see what get more information. That that should be enough to actually convince people. I don't think you need to sell them, you know, the the snake oil speech where this fixes everything. I don't I don't think people I think people will still come to utilize it. And then you know once people utilize it, even if they get benefit, I mean I've seen many patients where it does seem like it's a magic bullet. You know, I have people come in. To the office like oh i have you know i haven't you know been had a pain-free day you know in 30 years or you know i haven't you know i've just been in a chronic state of depression or anxiety for for decades and literally within a week of utilizing cannabis they actually do feel like a whole new person so it does seem like a magic bullet but for me it's more than a magic bullet it's more it's more of a gateway and not the gateway that you know Typically, you know, cannabis gets described, you know, it's not a gateway drug. There's plenty of research showing cannabis use does not lead to use of more toxic, illicit substances. So that is, you know, just, again, false propaganda. But I, I still think of it as a gateway. So if I have some, you know, say with, you know, chronic pain, say a condition like fibromyalgia, which is a pretty difficult condition to live with. You're dealing with pain and fatigue and usually anxiety and or depression pretty much every day of your life. And, you know, conventional therapies, there's a variety of, of medications that people use, which really don't work much at all. And often these people are just given opiates and just kind of they become dysfunctional members of society. And so those people come in they start using cannabis and it, it does initially seem like a magic bullet because they say, oh my God, it's the first day I had a regular appetite, you know, in, in, in a decade. It's the first wow. day I felt pain-free. And so it starts as a magic bullet, but then to me, it's a gateway because now they're feeling better that I can introduce concepts that are going to truly get at the root cause of their chronic condition and start reversing it and, and heal them. So that patient with fibromyalgia has to pay attention to what they eat and what they put in their body. They have to get regular activity and just simply move. They have to start looking at their relationships and their community and do they have, you know, the right relationships and support structure. They have to find ways to relax, calm themselves down, deal with past trauma. Those are the steps that are going to heal them. That's where the four pillars, health and wellness, come from. You know, these four pillars of optimal health, food, movement, relaxation, and community. So cannabis is the gateway that allows them to feel better enough that they can then start learning about those four pillars and, and working on them. So I think that's where I'd like to see the cannabis industry kind of move, not that worrier answer, 
we're your starting point. And it can, it's a starting point to bring people out of this reliance on pharmaceuticals. It's a, it's a gateway to bring people out of this picture of health where it's just a label. All I need is a diagnosis and the bucket of pills that go with that diagnosis. It's, it's, it's a gateway to get people out of that mindset in that system. So that's where I'm hoping the cannabis industry goes a bit more. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And you know, I'm glad you segue there to, uh, to four pillars, health and wellness. You have, you have so many, you know, interests you have, you're doing, you know, you're lecturing, you're consulting, you're still working with patients, seeing patients. Can you tell me a little bit more about four pillars, health and wellness, what you're doing there? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, four pillars, health and wellness, that was the original was, you know, the name of, of my, just my primary care practice over the last, you know, several years. And it was just based on after, you know, kind of, you know, 15 years of seeing patients and learning, I kind of said, you know, these four pillars of optimal health, if we don't address those, nobody's condition is getting better, no matter what tool we're using besides that. And so that was kind of, you know, the name of my private practice. And then after closing that private practice to be able to kind of expand my scope a little bit, I've kept the name and I've kept the, you know, business because now that serves as still, I funnel everything through that. So whether I'm, you know, lecturing to practitioners on, you know, endocannabinoid physiology, I still want to be thinking in the back of my head about those four pillars because that's still the basis of optimal health. And actually those four four pillars, when you work on those four pillars, you boost your own endocannabinoid system function. Likewise, if I'm talking to patients, yeah, I'm going to help educate them or start them on a cannabis regimen. But again, I still want to always be thinking things funnel through that. So it's not just, you know, my business that I, you know, name and, and, you know, so to speak online or social media presence and, and things like that. It's really more my mindset, no matter what I'm talking about, no matter who I'm consulting, whether it's a business, a patient, a family member, a practitioner, everything still funnels through four pillars being necessary. Nobody's getting better if they're not addressing those. Keep me grounded as to what's truly important, no matter what comes along. Very good. So what, what do you think, what's the biggest obstacle that you faced with four pillars and, you know, with education, getting everything out um, and how have you been able to overcome it? That's a interesting question. I, I would say the biggest obstacle, there's a couple. So one is simply letting the patients know, letting, you know, the, our actual, you know, potential clients, if we're talking about a business, but more just the general public, if we're talking about education, let them know that they are about health and disease. You know, it's just not the information you get when you go to the doctor. The average family practice visit is about seven and a half minutes now in the United States. That's not a time. That's not enough time to talk about the four pillars. That's not enough time to talk about disease from this holistic viewpoint. Uh, and so, first is just making sure it's a challenge that people even know there's other options. You know, we're taught to trust our doctors and trust our healthcare system. So, if someone's been going to the doctor for 45, 50 years and never heard the information I have. They just don't even know it exists or that's the tool. So with patients, one, it's convincing them that there's other options. So I think that's a big hurdle. 
Um, you know, and, you know, a lot of that is, you know, how we solve that is just outreach. That's one of the reasons why I closed the practice so I, I could do more than just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, education at a time with patients who already found me. I wanted to do something to make sure everybody knew this was a valuable tool, not just cannabis, but again, this whole way of thinking about health. Um, you know, another big hurdle when it comes to actually seeing patients providing care is, you know, the, our medical system, the insurance system doesn't support talking to patients. You know, our system's based around getting people pills and tests and getting uh -huh. them out the door and getting the next patient in to give them pills and tests. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it's a challenge. Patients, if they want to access this kind of information, uh, they often have to pay out of pocket. And that's, you know, for lack of a better term, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're paying, if you're paying ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year for health insurance, and then to get told, oh, well, actually, if you really want to get better, you got to pay out of pocket now to get your health care. You know, most people just can't even realistically do that. So, so, you know, how do we fix that? I mean, that's a huge fix because we need to revamp our, you know, everything. But, you know, again, some of it is nonprofits. You know, one of the companies, you know, I'm excited to work with is just starting up October 1st uh, in Colorado. It's called LEAF 411, L-E-A-F 411. And that's going to be a free hotline for cannabis education for anybody. Um, wow. Starting first, first in Colorado, but it just means anybody for free can call up and get cannabis education, not a prescription, not a card, not specific dosing guidelines, but you know, education, how to read a label. What is THC? What is CBD? What's the difference? What's cannabis? What's hemp? Oh, what happens if I get too high? Am I going to die? You know, all these questions, this is just going to be a free and it's run by nurses. So nurses who have cannabis education. So that's one way we solve this cost issue is by using nonprofits, you know, using companies that really want to get education out for free to the public. And then people can already be more inform some maybe they don't have as much time in the office if they already have a lot of education coming in to see me they can come in for a relatively short visit get some more focused guidance but i don't have to spend time you know where they're paying cash to explain you know what thc is you know so to speak so i think as we get some more general education out there it doesn't fix the healthcare cost issues but it at least minimizes the amount of time someone has to spend with the physician where they're they're paying the kind of the most the most price out of pocket amazing yeah and you know you said something there you know that's very interesting so i mean i 100 percent agree you know letting people know that there are other options i think a lot of people are you know obviously the education is not there as we've mentioned um you know and you talk about outreach you know so obviously you know the obvious follow-up question to that is you know, what are you doing for outreach? You know, how can people find out about Dr. Dave? Are you doing active outreach? Uh, to some extent, I, I do some. My who's just out there pounding the pavement 24 seven, um, but I do a little. So I still have uh, my website, fourpillarsdenver.com. And so certainly people can, you know, reach me there and do consultations. So, I mean, obviously I see people in Denver, but uh, I can, you know, I do, uh, you know, video consultations for people all over the country, um, more just for the education. You know, they say, well, I'm in New Jersey. Here are the options I have, but I at least want your input, what I should be looking for. And so 
they can reach me through Four Pillars Denver. Um, likewise, Four Pillars Denver on, on Facebook. Um, you know, is, there's a, a private group. So the private group enables people to kind of get some community, ask questions, um, and I'll post things to that group, you know, articles that I find valuable either on cannabis or again on those four pillars. So those are, I would say, the two, you know, main areas, uh, you know, where people can find me, you know, directly. And then in terms of other outreach, I do that through, you know, on the professional side, I do it through often giving talks, giving lectures, uh, and, you know, actually will be updating my website, you know, oh, I'll be here, I'll be here, I'll be at this conference, things of that nature. Uh, but mostly, you know, that's how I reach other professionals, just talking at conferences, you know, giving speeches to the community and, and, and again, working through some of these companies, you know, that, you know, really I believe in and, and are, you know, doing things, I guess what I would say the right way. Well, definitely. We need a lot, we need a lot more people doing things the right way. And, you know, hopefully this will bring more awareness to Dr. Dave Gordon, definitely. And, uh, you know, a lot more work, you know, we, if, uh, you know, you, you should be a household name. There should be a lot more people like you who are household names. So there's a lot more work to be done there definitely as well. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, I always have to ask, you know, uh, everybody that I have on, on the podcast, a little, little different question. It's, you know, just success, you know, how does, how do you define success and what does success look like for you? That's a very good question and, and a challenge. Changing gears, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that's, uh, well, that's something I've been pondering quite a bit. I mean, as I, like I said, I closed my private practice in, in 2017. Um, that was not easy because for me, you know, I had essentially in my head defined success by having a private practice. I was oh. essentially for, I mean, almost since I was a kid saying, oh, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm, you know, my image of being a doctor was having a practice. And when I went through training, that's just kind of what happened, where my interest was. And so I had always defined success by just having a practice. And so uh, closing the practice was, you know, getting to the point of closing it was challenging. And even after it was challenging because now my definition of success was, was so to speak, gone. Um, so I've had to think about that a lot, you know. And so, you know, now, I, I kind of define it more by the, the education piece. You know, when, when someone takes the information that I've found to be beneficial and I've found helps patients and I've found helps, you know, optimal health and wellness, when, when someone else is taking that and, and kind of now disseminating that message and not just learning it themselves, but, you know, convincing their father that they need to look at things differently or talking to a friend or so I think now I look at it as when my message gets propagated. Oh. You know, I think that's kind of, you know, at least one of the ways I now define success. Uh, Cause I, I mean, I've, I've just been around, been doing this for a long time. I've seen a lot of things that work well and I've seen a lot of things that really do not work at all. And so, like you said, I, I, when, when I've, you know, got my message out there that there are different ways to do things and in many cases, better ways to do things than what people are trying. That's one piece, but that's just one person. Really, when that person is now disseminating that message to others, I'd say that's kind of what I look at as my, my, my peak success right now. Um, there's, of course, you know, you know, little successes along the way, but uh, it's when other people kind of 
buy in, not just for themselves, but buy in enough to, to convince other people that there's a better way. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. You no know, shifting gears like that's got to be very confronting, obviously, you know, having this being your life goal for so long and now, you know, kind of changing over to the education side, you know, me on a smaller note, you know, I, was, I had the same kind of thing, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a doctor and that was my main thing. And, um, you know, and got into med school and, you know, felt accomplished with that and then decided, Hey, you know what, this isn't for me. I have another track in life. And, uh, it was at one point, like you said, there was, uh, you know, kind of that, that question, okay, well now what, you know, so I'm out here trying to, uh, bring awareness to cannabis and helping, you know, people, um, with, you know, uh, grow their businesses as well. So hopefully, um, you know, there's a, uh, you know, you're going to be doing the same, you know, bring a lot of awareness, a lot of great things and helping people beyond, you know, just what, what we can do in, in our own privacy and in our own private practice in our own offices. Exactly. So, so very good. So I really appreciate that. So, you know, as we wrap up, you know, what can we expect from Dr. Day from four pillars in the future, you know? Well, I, I think hopefully it's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of just expansion of, of what's happening, you know, continued opportunities to, to educate, like I said, whether it's the public, whether businesses or other practitioners, you know, I think each of those groups, you know, need to work together, not necessarily just all have their own individual interests in mind. So, you know, and I, so my goal is to come at it from the perspective of what have I seen that helps patients the most? What have I seen that helps, helps disease the most? And so, you know, that's, that's kind of, I'm going to continue that process. I, I'll continue to be out there talking to people, um, you know, conferences, whether it's just me doing my own local talking to senior communities in Denver or whether it's at, you know, bigger conferences, either on behalf of myself or on behalf of some of the companies uh, with whom I work. I, I'm definitely excited for the, the growth of this nonprofit, Leaf 411, because Again, I, I've, you know, one of the other reasons I closed my practice was I actually hated charging people. So um, it just, it just never sat well. I'm not a great uh, salesman. So just being able to work with a nonprofit where we're providing, you know, free resources to people is pretty exciting. So I, I really am excited to have my role expand there um, and, and do that. And, and then, you know, I think, you know, the other, you know, steps along the way is just, kind of language like we just touched on my own you know personal growth and and kind of again recognizing that uh you know again you know what is success it's not based on some artificial expectation of what you have to do or what you're supposed to be doing it's it's really you know a moving target on what seems to be needed at the moment and so right now it's education you know i think down the road there might be some research involved as as changes to allow more research uh, but right now what's needed is education so that's where you're going to find me the most very cool awesome so thank you you know and you know you mentioned um four pillars denver.com how else can listeners find out more about you dr dave four pillars and uh you know if they want to connect with you learn more about you. i mean that's that's still the best spot there you okay. can uh um there's online scheduling. You can schedule directly from the website with me. And like I said, certainly for those in Denver, but anybody who wants a consultation, 
um, can schedule uh, through the online uh, portal right there and do video consultations. And then I'm going to be actually doing some updates uh, both on the website and then the, the Facebook group as well um, to, as I get access to some of the video of some of the talks and conferences, getting those uploaded so people can get a, you know, get that patient from, from their own, you know, you know, living room, so to speak. So fourpillarsdenver.com or if on Facebook uh, at Four Pillars Denver, um, it's easy to link to the private group or just the regular page. But again, the private group can kind of ask questions in, in that kind of comfortable setting uh, that's just not out to the entire Facebook world. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for jumping on with us, Dr. Dave, Dr. David Gordon here. Um, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing more of your education going out there, more awareness being brought out there. And uh, good luck to you in the rest of 2019 and beyond. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on and for all you guys are doing to, to educate the world. Thank you so much. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calacan.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.